I constantly thought about whether it was the right decision and whether I should leave and do something else. Uh, luckily, we did do that. Uh, but it was, it was it was a pretty constant and a, a big constant, and I think most people uh, in Silicon Valley feel that way at some point or another, even if they don't admit it. Welcome to Array Podcast, the platform to discover hacks and skills you need at different stages of building your business. I'm your host, Shruti Gandhi, founder and managing partner of Array Ventures. Array Ventures invests in founders focused on solving problems, leveraging big data, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Visit us on array.vc. Support for today's podcast is brought to you by First Republic. First Republic is a full-service commercial and private bank focused on delivering world-class service across U.S. to the VC space and has been a preferred choice for VC funds, startups, and their employees for over 30 years. To learn more, visit www.innovationfirstrepublic.com or email Samir Kaji at skaji at firstrepublic.com. On today's show, we have Justin Khan. In a space of nine years, Justin pivoted from an aimless post-college soul-searching to a massive exit on his company Twitch, which he sold to Amazon for $1 billion. Here are the steps he took to get there and problems he's working on solving right now. Let's start Let's start from, um, I guess, the beginning. Um, what brings you here? And um, I want to know more from like you had a undergrad degree in physics and and uh, philosophy, it seems. That's right. So you switched from that to tech. How did that happen? Well, I don't think undergrad really prepares you for any actual real world job. So <laughs> switching from physics or whatever to to, to tech is you know it's not that hard. It's uh, I, I think you come out of undergrad with almost no skills, and then you have to learn everything on the job. Uh, and so when we were seniors in college, actually my junior year of college, I went to my career counseling center at, at Yale. I was an undergrad at Yale and I asked them, what are you supposed to do after you graduate from college? Because <laughs> I didn't really know, you know, the entire, your entire life is tracked. You just, you go to grade school and high school and get grades, get into college and then you go to college. And then what are you supposed to do? What did they say? So she asked, you know, do you want to be a lawyer banker or consultant and I didn't really know what any of those job roles did um, but I said okay I guess I, I want to I should apply for law school since that seems like I've been you know pretty good at school Let's do some more of that yeah um, but the problem was I, I uh, when I took my LA, uh, LSAT the, yeah, the LSAT I didn't do very well I didn't do as well as I thought I would anyway. so that was a, like a major blow um, I guess I did okay, like, I, but it was like way lower than what I thought I would get. I thought I was going to ace it. And so I decided, well, uh, I guess I'm not going to do that. And at the same time, some friends of mine, one of my friends in particular was actually asking me, uh, he was saying we should start a company. And he was saying that we should start a company because this, this is a guy who, or one of my closest friends, he's, uh, we were roommates in college and he, uh, he always had the mindset of like looking at what was undervalued or what resources were underutilized. He's like, and he, now he's a hedge fund manager mm -hmm. actually, um, and manages a billion That's dollar awesome. hedge fund. And he, um, he was so he was like, access to intellectual capital at Yale is undervalued, right? We we have we have all this access to intellectual capital, and we have all this free time. So what we should do with it is start a company. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the you know the 
It's a very smart guy for a young exactly. <laughs> and so we decided, let's uh, let's okay, let's start a company, and start thinking about ideas. And at the same time, Gmail had just come out, so we looked at that and said, hey, maybe someone should start a company uh, that provides a, a calendar of accompaniment to Gmail. And so that's kind of what we started working on. Recruited one of our other friends, Emmett Shearer, who was the one of us who was a CS undergrad, and mm -hmm. so he. He was kind of one step ahead of me than me in the programming workbook. Yeah. You know, so he was teaching me, and I was working on the front end. He's developing. Well, so the you started teaching yourself how to code on your own. I had a little bit of, of basic, you know, self-taught knowledge, mm -hmm. and so uh, we started working on this on this app, building a calendar uh, for a Gmail, or, or like an online Ajax Ajax by calendar, and that's uh, that's how we started our first company, really, while we were undergrads. It was not a very good product, to be honest, because, well, we, we actually didn't use it. We weren't users of our own product, which is mistake That's number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were, you know, we were undergrads. I was, uh, by that time, senior year, I had really checked out. I only had class two days a week, Monday and Wednesday, from 10.30 to 12.30. I can still remember it today, 13 years later, so uh, it was easy for me to remember then. I, I didn't have any appointments, right? I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> um, but it's, you didn't take other extracurricular activities instead, and you were just trying to work on the company, which is... Exactly. I just had two things on the calendar yeah. in class. 1030 to 1230 Monday, 10.30 to 12.30 Wednesday, and we had, like, happy hour, you know, 5 p.m. Take a break. Yeah, or something. exactly. So, so we're big calendar users, and, and we, but we were working on this calendar. And what happened was, luckily, uh, we were about to graduate, and... One of our friends sent us this thing that was for this new program called Y Combinator. It was the first year that YC was in uh, was coming out, was in action, and uh, they were, said they were funding companies, young people who were starting tech startups. We were like, we're yeah, young, right. we have a tech startup. <laughs> we applied, and uh, they invited us up for an interview. And so we went there, we did the interview, and you know, surprisingly, they, they let us in. They, they said, we want to fund your company. We're pretty ecstatic, and we decided that we would work full-time on it after we graduated. And that's how, how we... What happened to Kiko? So we worked on it. We raised a little bit of money. YC back then was not very glamorous, and Demo Day was not very popular. In mm -hmm. fact, it was just 15 of Paul's friends that he forced to come. I don't <laughs> think any startups raised very much money at all, but we... Luckily, got compared to now. Compared to now, you know, we raised an age around sixty thousand dollars, and we used that to sustain ourselves for about a year until uh, we had basically failed to attract any customers. Uh, and at what point we decided we'd sell the company, and we ended up, for lack of a better idea, selling it on eBay. And so, yeah, we uh, we didn't know. We, we actually had tried to sell the company to Yahoo, which is a whole other story. That, that could be a, a shocking story. Actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to know how one sells their company on eBay. So first, we tried to sell it the traditional way, actually. Paul had set up all these. He had sold his company via web to Yahoo uh, in 96. Yeah. And so, so he uh, knew a bunch of people at Yahoo, and he suggested that we try to sell our company to, or not sell it, but like talk for like, like do biz dev talks with, with Yahoo. And so we met with a bunch of people from Yahoo, and they actually were interested, because basically they knew Google was working on a calendar, and they just bought Oddpost to make Yahoo Mail. This is back when Yahoo was a company that people actually yeah. wanted to work yeah. for. And, and so, they liked it, yeah. And they liked it, and it was, you know, had a good reputation. Yeah. So 
we went in there, we told them about our calendar, what our vision was, and um, and we basically did a full day of interviews. And then at, uh, a couple of weeks later, the corporate development guy, uh, Kent Goldman, who's now VC, uh, said, you know, he called me and he's like, oh, you know, we want to buy your company. And uh, we'd love, you know, because we want to modernize our calendar. It hadn't changed since, like, 1998. <laughs> nice. And this was seven years later. It was still the same. So we want you guys to do it. And so he asked me, how much do you guys want? And I said, well, at the time I was thinking, okay, I want a million dollars for myself. I want a million dollars for Emmett. Our third co-founder, Matt, the hedge fund guy, had actually dropped out and, and went to work at uh, in banking. And so I want a million dollars for each of us. So I told him, I want $2 million. And he said, how about $1 million? So I was like, all right, sure. Because I, I wasn't a very good negotiator that's, at the time. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I doubt that's, I mean, I'm sure that's changed now. Well, yeah. So at the, at the time, I was like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah. And, uh, and then he said, okay, great. I'm going to get back to you with the paperwork. Uh, you know, I'll get back to you in the next couple of days. And then he basically never emailed me. What? Yeah, I know. I know. I don't get it. I know. It's fucked up, Ken. If you're watching this, it's fucked up now. <laughs> and so, wow. uh, it turns out what happened is, I guess they changed their mind, this boss. Uh, I think he should, t- should tell you. Well, he did. So he did email me back and he was like, okay, three weeks later, he was like, two line, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's taking so long, we worked on it. It's too good to be true. After that, he never emailed me. Oh, yeah. And so, so then I found out years later uh, that we, that basically they changed their mind and he was trying to salvage it, but then he didn't know what he, you know, he, they, they, so he didn't want to tell me, oh, it's gone. And then by the time that he was gone, he, you know, kind of ran out of, the, the, the courtesy window had passed. Yeah. And so it was like, now he just, was embarrassed yeah, by that point. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. So um, it's okay though. It, I, I, I think he actually did get solid because we eventually ended up, you know, I would have been locked down there for a year couple of years best. So then tell me what eBay thing was. <laughs> yeah, so then we decided this six months later, still no more traction and we were like, how do we now what do we do? We're running yeah. out of money and we're not we're not making any progress. So what we decided to do was uh, we decided to sell our company on eBay. <laughs> and so we listed it with a reserve price of fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and we basically got a bunch of press for it because it was yeah. such a novel, weird idea. Yeah. And so the morning of the auction came, we did all this due diligence calls, and then the morning of the, the auction came, and um, we actually got a bid. Well, I was very surprised. I yeah. 50000 50, And then we, I'm in New York, and I'm, wait, you know, my actually my friend's apartment, super hot. It was the middle of the summer, so. They didn't like have today here. Air conditioning. It's like today, but this is, this is quite pleasant in here. And, and there was like this small apartment, super hot. Like in my underwear at his computer, it's like a desktop computer because that's what people had back then. Clicking <laughs> refresh, right? On, on oh my, yeah, exactly. EBay like refresh eBay, for auction. Like F5, F5, yes. F5. And it just went up, like from fifty thousand to eighty-five thousand. At that point, we made back our you know initial investment, and then we each made a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, all right, that's pretty good. You know, that's I had, awesome. I think I had a thousand dollars in my bank account, something like that. So I clicked refresh again, and it went up to a hundred thousand, right? and then one thirteen, one fifty. You know, 187 and then 200,000. Uh, and then eventually sold for $258,100. The numbers are like burned into my mind. For yeah. At that point, I'm like jumping up and down screaming. You know, I'm like, I've invented a new business model. Things are awesome. Uh, instead of a failed startup founder, I've become a successful startup founder. <laughs> and so uh, it turned out that the buyer was this company, Two Cows, in, in Toronto. Yeah. 
in Canada, and they <laughs> they were looking for companies they on were eBay looking for uh, a calendar, and uh, <laughs> they were actually thinking about packaging it with their, uh, you know, like a productivity suite. This before Gmail was super popular, and ISP still wanted to offer uh, all these know, tools, solutions to, yeah. and tools to their, yeah. you know, so they they were white labeling it to ISPs, and that was their plan. And so uh, they bought it from us. We were pretty stoked, and that was the that's the story of our first startup. Impressive. So I think there's a few other points in your career that um, we talk, we'll talk a little bit more about the live blogging aspects of your, of your life where you're, where you're really excited about it and you would go into meetings with it. But do you think that creativity or creative thinking is part of you, who you are, that you can attribute a lot of this success to now looking back? Yeah, I think the funny thing is one of my friends, uh, one of the, the founder of Squibbed, Trip Adler, yeah. he, he's, he, he used to tell me, he was like, Justin, you're like the most creative person I know. And I didn't really believe him. I always thought of myself as more of an engineering person or someone who uh, more just on the business side. And I actually, I, I guess he is, I, he's right. Like, I'm pretty creative. I think about ideas. I love thinking about new ideas. I love thinking about new industries, learning about new industries and applying technology to change them in some mm-hmm. way, hopefully for the better. And so I've always been interested in, in new things, right? The calendar, I wasn't really that curious about calendars or, or scheduling. It was more of an interest in building an app, you know, a web app mm-hmm. in a way that people hadn't uh, before. And then with Justin TV, which was our next company, it was started off as a really crazy creative idea. Uh, we weren't very good at creating the content around it, but it was a very creative idea, I think which was us trying to create our own reality TV show about our lives as startup founders. Ahead of the time, by the way. I know. It was pre-Kim Kardashian. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I was a little you should bit, revive it now. I, we, maybe we will. I Probably not. Probably, <laughs> almost certainly not. But uh, that, was, you know, this, that was our second second idea. And uh, since then, we've, we've built you know, sort of businesses and uh, other video businesses. You know, we sort of whale now. I started a, a TaskRabbit meets Uber uh, called Exec, mm-hmm. uh, that we ended up pivoting into a home cleaning service and, and we sold to Andy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, famously, we turned Justin TV into uh, a video gaming platform for people to watch other people play video games, mm-hmm. which uh, we sold to Amazon. So, kind of sort of businesses all over the board. I um, And I, you know, I have some other ideas too. Yeah. So, it's your curiosity and creativity that kind of, uh, you know, um, attracts you to these problems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that. Uh, people, you know, oftentimes people are um, say, oh, I'm like the most passionate about this one space, right? And solving problems in healthcare or solving problems in, you know, I'm really passionate about uh, art or I'm passionate about uh, engineering problems, right? I, I, for me, it's more about learning about new spaces and industries. And I'm, I'm almost, there's almost every industry. I'm currently thinking about a legal startup, for example. There's, you know, traditionally, I think a lot of people would say, oh, that's like not sexy, it's boring. Um, and I'm not necessarily in love with law or, or the process of like um, uh, serving legal customers and clients, but but it's really about learning about a new space and thinking about how technology can change it. That's interesting to me. So um, after that, you've had a few acquisitions that you mentioned uh, to Candy, Amazon. Um, did you get better at negotiations? Did I get better at negotiation? Yeah, definitely. Think, uh, you have to frame, you know, framing is, is powerful and being able to have a good alternative is powerful. How does one do that? 
how do you, well, I think the way to become good at negotiations is by doing it. Uh, I think that in order to have a good alternative, the key is to actually have a good startup that's growing, running on your own, you know, and, and then not want to be acquired, right? And then that's when you have the most leverage. Right. right? And then people, there's no hack, right? The, people are always like, that's, they always ask me what's the key to selling your company. It's like, have a good company. Well, so, okay. Go to, let's talk that shift you had from Justin to Twitch. Yeah. Before the Twitch um, numbers and virality and all the awesome things that Twitch became, um, you you hadn't figured that out. And you had a couple, for lack of a better word, pivots to get there. Um, so how did you get there? So we started off with this reality show. And in order to make it happen, work online, we actually had to build all this infrastructure. So we built all this live streaming infrastructure because Flash Media Server wasn't out. Well, it was out, but it was very broken, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, we built a bunch of um, basically front-end infrastructure for streaming to all these clients all over the world. And, um, and then we launched this site about us trying to create our own, our own show. And people came and they gave us two pieces of feedback. The first was, you guys are incredibly boring. <laughs> Can you please go out and do something? Get off your computer and go entertain us. Interesting. And the second piece of feedback was, uh, how, do, how are you doing this live streaming thing? I want to create my own live video on the internet. And so the light bulb went off, which was six months late because we had already seen YouTube grow and become mm. a $1.6 billion company and be acquired. So creating YouTube of live video wasn't that big of a mm. stretch, but we didn't think of it actually until we... Uh, had already launched Justin TV, so we said, okay, we should make a YouTube of live video, and we spent the next six months retooling what we had for that, and then we launched it, and it started growing. And from that, we, we grew, the, the next couple of years was an exercise in scale, and we grew to a site of about 30 million people. And once we were that size, our traffic growth started falling off, and, and we started having to think about uh, what should we do next. And so we raised about $7 million to that point, and we decided we we actually became a profitable company briefly. Uh, this was around 2010, mm -hmm. and we said, "Okay, let's start working on some new ideas that we think can be even bigger." And one of those ideas was let's focus on the nascent small community on our site that's really watching each other play video games, and that's what they're that's what they're doing. There's about three percent. Again, that's pretty creative. Time. I don't think most people even to this day can comprehend what that means. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. People are streaming their, their gameplay yeah. and maybe their footage of themselves yeah. uh, on a webcam, and then they're streaming it to an audience. Right. And I've seen it. I'm just saying it's just it. very hard to for a lot of people to even imagine that. And I know there's a variation of that, that which have come up like, oh, live coding and yeah. all of the above. But, you know, nothing picked up as much as what Twitch did. Yeah, so I think that the core insight with Twitch is that uh, there's actually two kinds of content. I think there's one. One is uh, competition, so that's very parallel to sports. People watching sports, you know, you're watching people play who are really talented. Uh, it's competitive. You're seeing who the best people in the world are. That's kind of the weekend mm -hmm. content. And then there's the daily content. And the mm -hmm. daily content is much more a single person playing and he's talking with his audience. There's a lot of back and forth, and I'd say that's more like talk radio. Mm -hmm. It's content where you turn it on and you listen to it for however long is convenient for you between doing other things and then you turn it off. So you can watch Twitch. The people will stream on Twitch for eight hours at a time. Yeah. But you as a viewer might watch for 30 seconds right. or you might watch for three hours. You might watch while you're uh, you know, doing work, you know, you're at work or, or right before you're going to bed. 
um, but you're not necessarily coming for the whole stream, just yeah. like you know how I would want or listen to, to radio yeah. or a podcast while yeah. even in my car on the commute. Yeah. You know, I'd probably turn it off when I get to work. Yeah. You know, so so I think it's that kind of flexible bite-sized content, which is really appealing. And the the other core insight I think about Twitch that you know that I have as a user is that when we first started using um, first started working on the community, we we weren't really users. Emmett was my co-founder, but uh, I wasn't, and I started watching. Uh, to, to learn about what the content was about. And uh, my insight is that it's very predictable what the quality is. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Netflix and you decide, oh, I'm going to watch this show, it's it's very much, uh, you're taking a gamble if it's something new. Yeah. Right? A movie might be good, might be bad. You don't really know, and it's an hour and a half of time you're investing. Yeah. Uh, whereas with Twitch, it's always kind of the same quality of content. It's very predictable because mm-hmm. people produce a lot of the content. It's based on the you know kind of what the game you're, mm-hmm. you're watching is, and so I actually think that makes it a much easier decision to watch and dive into. Is that the fundamentals of that? Is what you use for for your current company, Whale? So, Whale is is a video Q and A app, and it, there's influencers and experts from all over the world who are answering questions uh, about whatever they want. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is the tech community right now. And a lot of the insights from that came from one of our other spin-off companies, Social Cam, which is trying to make a mobile video creator for, for short-form videos. Uh, one of the things that we learned from that was that most people don't have a lot of video that they want to create. Yeah. And so one of the interesting things about Whale was uh, it, by being a prompted video Q&A app where you know, if I ask you a question, you already know what video to create. It's just answering that mm-hmm. question. It's very easy for you to create it. Uh, I think that's one way that we might be able to get a lot of, much larger volume of video created. And so that's the, you know, that's that's uh, that's one of the new startups that I'm working on. And so far, doing pretty well, getting out there and getting feedback from the users. Yeah, I was, uh, I did an AMA on there, so thanks yeah. for that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the thing that you've kind of mastered is a way to, as you use the word, hack growth in some ways, or you've at least tried to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, do you have some secret <laughs> sauce around that, uh, that people can read these instructions and, and go figure it out themselves, or is it like part of who they are? Is it the hustler mentality? What is it that gets the growth of a company from here to like 10x up? <clears throat> well, I don't think there's actually any one secret. You know, growth is it's something that's every startup is is concerned with, and the things that work for one startup don't necessarily work for for another. I mean, I think one thing is having a really good product that's ten times better than what else is out there. Yeah. Uh, for something, right? I think that's that's pretty important. Um, from a you know more tactical point of view, you definitely have to have you have to innovate and experiment with new channels. Mm-hmm. So. The things that work for one user don't, or, or at one period of time aren't going to work for, for the, next, the next period of time. So Dropbox could do this you know, double referral system right. uh, with free space, yeah. or Uber could do it with, with credit, the, yeah. you know, credits. But now people are kind of getting used to it. Yeah. They're not they're not as excited about sharing. Um, similarly, at various points in time, Facebook app install ads were undervalued, or you know even before that, Google search ads, right? And then. Um, but those, those tactics, those channels always get burned out, users get fatigued, and mm-hmm. then you have to discover something new. And so I think uh, from a tactical perspective, you need to continually be experimenting. Uh, one of the problems right now is I think 
mobile was a great channel for a long time. Yeah. And now it's it's kind of burned out, and there's not a huge, an obvious replacement. So it's actually pretty hard for a lot of companies, I think, to grow right right now, especially if they're not attached to one of the uh, big you know, tech tech giants. And so I don't know what the answer to that is. That that will be. You have to be keep being creative. Is yeah. basically the answer, I think. Yeah. Um, and and I think. Consumers get attracted to something, as you said, something unique that they haven't been offered before. Um, to shift the conversation a little bit, you can basically do whatever the hell you want now. Yeah. So what keeps you going now? Yeah, so I can do whatever I want, and it turns out what I want to do is what I really like doing is starting these companies. I tried not working. You tried uh, that. Which, yeah, I, I lasted six weeks. I got pretty bored. <laughs> And then I tried uh, working at Y Combinator, which I did for about two and a half to three years, uh, which was great, but it was a little bit too hands-off, you know, very, being, very much like being a professor. Uh, I felt like I was teaching people, but what really gets me going is starting companies and, and working on problems more directly, and so that's what, I, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I spent a long time thinking about it. Yeah, but, but I think, has your, has your startup I guess, day one of your startup changed because of where you are today versus where you were when you were starting Kiko? Well, yes. I mean, it's definitely changed from where, where we were when we started Kiko. I'm definitely a lot more knowledgeable and waste a lot less time now. I think in terms of does your startup day one change significantly um, from other like you know, good startups that get started today, I don't think it should. Uh, I think actually that a lot of the advantages that someone who's in, an incumbent in Silicon Valley have are actually not good for the company in the long run, right? Lots of serial entrepreneurs can raise a ton of money in the, in the start. And uh, the problem is that it's oftentimes not the best thing for the company. When you raise more money, you spend more money. Mm -hmm. And when you raise more money, you try to solve problems with money, which you, and you usually can't solve a lot of your product market fit problems with money, right? right? You're so just buying more time. Maybe, but usually it doesn't because you actually spend it in 12 to 24 months no anyway, where you are. Yeah. And so I think with, with Whale is a great example of, you know, we're scrappy. The team is seven people. And um, working out of my house in my... In I my, saw one of those videos where someone showed up at your door. Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was super awkward. But uh, we had random people who show up at my door. But, um, the, you know, we have, we have a, a team of, of a small team programmers and, and product people working out of my house and I don't think it, it's not cash constrained right so I well we've had VCs come and say oh I want to back your next thing um, I want to back your company it, it, it doesn't necessarily make sense right because we're still at that early stage where we're not cash constrained so uh, I think I think it's it's important to be disciplined even if you have been successful uh, lots of second time entrepreneurs just try to raise a lot of money and then they don't actually make something that people want, and that's that's the that's the core thing. So, is the discipline equals I'm going to figure out if this is a real thing and then go raise money, or discipline just means I'm going to say this is the amount of money I'm going to spend on this project, experiment, potential company, and if it doesn't work out, I'll move on to something else. What is discipline? I think it's I think both of those things. Yeah. It's it's definitely waiting to raise raising only the capital you need, and then maybe some small buffer rather than raising as much money as you can. Um, it's also, for me, it was like, I want to figure out if this is working before we uh, raise a, a huge venture round, right? Because I don't want to be saddled with uh, all these expectations before we actually 
uh, before we actually feel like we're, we're there. You, when we were chatting earlier on, you were talking about how every year you question what if, if this is a real thing you're doing. I would love to hear a little bit more about what, like, if a person like you feels that way, when do you actually get conviction? Yeah, well, in the early days, especially in Justin TV and Kiko days, we I constantly questioned my decision to become an entrepreneur. I think we were very far from success, and it was pretty draining to you know continually work at, at the company and make sure that you know you were positive about things when, when things weren't all the signs weren't necessarily positive. And so I constantly thought about whether it was the right decision and whether I should leave and do something else. Uh, luckily, I, we did do that. Um, but it was, it was, it was a pretty constant and a, a big constant. And I think most people, uh, in Silicon Valley feel that way at some point or another, mm -hmm. uh, even if they don't admit it. And do you, do you feel like there's these, um, imposter syndromes and things like that, that have been going on? So do you feel like you have overcome that and you feel like you, you are real <laughs> or do you still have doubts, self doubt to this day when you're working on something new? Uh, well, I think when you're working on something new, you, you always have self-doubt, a little self-doubt. Like even when you, you know, there's times it's up and down. You think you you have positive signals and you feel like it's going to work, and then you have some negative signals and you feel like it's not, uh, and that, that fluctuates. And so I, I think that's true regardless of, even if you have a past success, record of success, mm -hmm. track record of success, it doesn't, that's not indicative of future, indicative of future performance, right? So what's your dream then? Like, most people are like, I want to have this exit. You've had few. What's your next milestone? Well, we created a billion dollar company. I'd like to create a ten billion dollar company. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have goals. Yeah. My, the key is actually for me, well, probably for everyone, but it, it, I have to tell myself that achieving your goal uh, is irrelevant. It's just having a goal. Mm -hmm. Having a goal, showing up, and trying to trying to do it. If you if I achieve it, great. I'll still be just as satisfied or unsatisfied or happy or unhappy as I am today. And if I don't achieve it, uh, probably the same. So I think that it's about having goals and having something to do and that gets you up in the morning, um, but not being, letting your emotional well-being be tied to the completion of them. Cool. Because you're, it's not under your control, right? Whether you start a company that's worth $100 million or a billion dollars or $10 million or zero dollars um, is largely, there's one aspect under your control, which is how much work product you're creating, how much you're talking to your customers, but the other part is market timing, mm -hmm. luck, economic cycles, yeah. whether you, you know, um, technology cycles. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you don't, nothing is 100% of your control. So it, it doesn't make sense to commit your emotional state to those things that are under control. Um, yeah. So when you are thinking of your next awesome problem to solve, are you thinking of that market size at all and, and thinking about this is going to be $10 billion or $100 billion or whatever the company, or is, are you thinking, this is something I want to solve. I'm going to just start small, and I think it's going to get, like. So I think it's something that starts small, but can, has the potential to grow and to be big. So uh, you know, Whale is an example where right now it's it's largely focused on the tech community, but Q and A is a very human yeah. uh, thing. Yeah, uh, it's a human uh, behavior, and I think it extends across all these different verticals potentially. Yeah. So not just tech, uh, but yeah. almost anything that people do, or if you look at any type of. YouTube influencer, whether they're a cooking influencer yeah. or unboxing video yeah. or a social influencer, yeah. people ask them questions. Yeah. Right? So it's, I think it. Like we're like I'm doing here right now. Exactly. Exactly. So I think uh, that's something that could extend potentially to that to that larger market. 
Tell us, everyone's really excited to know more about the Zero F initiative you've started. Okay. Tell us more. Sure. So, Zero F, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, left YC to start your own accelerator. It's not really an accelerator at all. It's more of a startup studio or lab uh, where it's really working with people who are, um, you know, in my extended network or people who I've worked with, with before or, um, you know, maybe friends of friends on a very small number of startups. Uh, you know, we're talking zero to two startups a year. Okay. And so... Is the idea that you're going to be the co-founder? Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll be the co-founder and, and kind of work with them. I, what I realized was I love working on startups, but for me, I'm not... And when I first started Justin TV, I would have done anything to make the company successful, anything ethical. Yeah. Um, and I, it was my entire ego was wrapped up in it, and I was like, I will not fail at this. And today, having success, it's very hard to put yourself in that same mindset. I want to as much as possible, but I recognize that the limits of, of uh, you know, humans in the, adapting to their conditions, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and their environments, and for me, I'm like, I'll never be that do or die again. I, I don't think I will. Interesting. And yeah. so my goal is to partner with people who are at that level and uh, still as hungry as I as I was, and then basically get the best of both worlds of experience and that grind and, and drive. Is Ask Whale part of that? Yeah. So Whale, Whale, um, I partnered with two. Uh, friends of mine, actually, we have a, a bunch of co-founders, but um, some of them are one of my one of my friends who uh, from college, who actually went to Google. Okay. And uh, he's actually a pop, you might have heard of Brandon Davies, popular yeah. in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, has led a very interesting life, and then one of my friends from uh, high school actually became a, a product, a founder, and a product designer, and uh, uh, was working in a variety of companies that he started. And then we have a CTO from. Um, is from Wistia over mm -hmm. in, um, in Boston, mm -hmm. and then uh, two other engineers on the, on the front end, the iOS end. And so um, we all kind of came together to work on this product, and they're, you know, I think they're hungrier than I used to be. So, it's good. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's, your, that's your key. So, and the second one, you, you're thinking like the legal space. What other categories are you exploring? So, for our founder viewers, oh, yeah. how to reach out to you? I think, um, well, the interesting thing, I think things that are interesting to me are uh, the applications of machine learning to solve specific problems in industry. I think that's uh, going to be a huge space of startups that get started. Another one is rebuilding, uh, rebuilding startups that are largely offline mm -hmm. startups with technology from the ground up. Uh, so, you know, an example of that would be Amazon, right, where they rebuild retail, mm -hmm. like this original one. With, with entirely with tech, right? They have everything from robotic right. warehouses uh, to all sorts of technology around fulfillment that allows them to deliver like a pretty amazing service that's yeah. very competitive with this offline retail structure that had all these different cost structures, mm -hmm. which are increasingly irrelevant, right? People don't want to go to Best Buy, yeah. right? And so I think there's many other examples of that um, that are potentially out there and uh, that are that are just getting started now. And so th that's that's space that I'm thinking about. Last question. Um, do you like founders who have an expertise in the area they're trying to solve problems in, or are you school of thought where you say, be the best technical person you can be, and then all the expertise you need for the industry comes comes after? Well, I think it's a mix. I think sometimes it's really good to know, to build a problem, to build a solution to a problem that you actually have. And when you have no industry experience, it's very hard to know what the problems are in that industry. 
uh, at the same time, coming in with a fresh eye can lead to like really interesting innovations uh, because you're thinking about everything from first principles, and it's very hard to do that if you've been an incumbent in the industry for too long. I think that's why oftentimes the most interesting startups are started with people who have some experience, but not too much experience. Yeah. And so, you know, if you look at, I think Tesla is a great example of a company that's created that where they rethought everything, and it's not just their electric car, but it's their best car in a lot of other ways, mm -hmm. user experience, and, and now they're, they're um, you know, they've been innovative in so many things, in the retail, and the supercharger stations, yeah. and and that's, um, I think oftentimes those, those types of innovations come from, from outside, you know, from a fresh eye. Well, thank you, Justin. Um, I am at Truthy on Twitter. How can the founders reach you? On Snapchat, at Justin Khan. So you can hit me on Snapchat, and um, yeah, I'll look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Cool.